I don't necessarily ever draw from references directly. But some of them, if they're, for example, a pose, I'll just think about it and try to reimagine it in my mind in a different configuration and try that, that in a drawing. Um, if the reference, for example, is just like uh, a, a style of painting, um, I'll try to examine like, oh, what is, what is the trait that I really enjoy in this that I can bring in my own painting? Um, sometimes it's just like literally a feeling, like a few words I'll write down, that could be a reference of mine to kind of keep me on, on the path that I'm trying to shoot for um, like aesthetically in, in terms of a genre. The repetition kind of comes out of necessity, like doing all this from imagination, I for sure can't get the, the exact proportions I want just in one go. So yeah, it demands several different iterations. Um, and that's also kind of in line with some of my favorite um, artists in history, their practices. For example, Degas, he would draw a, a single drawing over and over, maybe 50 times before he would then, for example, trace it to uh, a bigger sheet and make a pastel out of it. So this kind of, uh, this tradition has something to do with imaginative drawing, and that's probably why I do it. I want a little of, of many different artists, so, and I end up having to combine things. Uh, for example, one of, one of the, these two artists, Ang, um, his, his stances, his poses, often are, are more maybe naturalistic. They're just kind of, they look like humans posing in, in a natural position. Um, as opposed to Michelangelo, his poses were very riveting, very like dynamic. That was kind of the subject of his art in some way. Um, and at, at, at a certain point, I was actually reading on his, his motives for that. And I found this concept he derived called serpentinata, I think, in Italian. But it's just like basically turning different forms of the body against each other to create like a serpentine movement. Ang doesn't have that. So that's why I, was, I would like sometimes take from one artist, take from another and create something new and infuse my own, um, yeah, my own habits into that. Also, I guess with my last series of, of works, the, the series of bodies of works, um, I kind of felt dissatisfied with the level of craft I was bringing to each painting. I mean, I was, I was being attentive, but I didn't get like the, the effects and qualities that I've been seeing, for example, these artists that I knew I was capable of, but I just had only done it on kind of a smaller scale. So I thought to myself, if I were to start a new series that was just portraits, um, so like less commitment to like a massive canvas or whatever it is, um, maybe I could explore those techniques properly and nail them uh, in some way. Um, so that's kind of what got me started on, on this uh, portrait. And I knew that since it was just gonna be a head, not a, a whole figure, my options for expressing cool would be limited. I couldn't just um, kind of use some pose that seemed cool or whatever it is. It would have to come from the gaze um, and maybe also some accessories. This, this time I didn't add any accessories, but um, that was kind of the initial thought. And so I did the same process that I always do, I doodled, and then I did several, like 10 different drawings of that doodle over and over. Um, and then I traced that and drew it, 
with charcoal and kante um, and, and a stump, which is all like very quintessentially 19th century kind of technique. Um, and then that's how I came up with this drawing. And then I painted that. Uh, that's how I ended up in the painting. Um, and it was a very, very informative uh, experiment because I learned what was working in my process, what maybe I got to reconsider. Um, that's kind of how it always is with, with every project. Uh, but yeah, I think this time I, I got a chance to explore creative, or sorry, cool gaze more than in the past in larger, larger works. So this painting was a direct translation I had done from the portrait drawing previously. Um, and I was attempting to kind of paint the drawing in a quasi-impressionist style. I was thinking a lot of Velasquez and Degas and how they would paint portraits. Um, and I was trying to approach that still only using um, an imaginative techniques. I wasn't referencing any actual um, live person and their face or any portrait, uh, sorry, photographs. Um, so kind of in part of my attempt, I was... Uh, thinking about how I could uh, play with sharp and, and soft edges to achieve that um, impressionist effect. Obviously, impressionism demands a lot um, of, of different colors and sensitivity to what is actually going on with, with the light um, in nature, in life. Um, but I was trying to achieve that just uh, with the limited means of two, two main colors, for the portrait itself and then a background color. Um, so the portrait is, it has like many form shadows which are soft right here and here, um, and then cast shadows. So for example, this whole shape is pretty much a cast shadow. And at first this in the drawing was completely sharp. The, the edge was very definite and, and defined, um, but I kind of attempted in this portrait, in this painting, to soften most of the cast shadows and most of the hard, hard edges, so like even the eyebrows, um, just slightly uh, to see if that would give me get me closer to that impressionist quality. Um, and I left only certain lines very hard, like the, the crease of the lips and this edge right here. And of course, the, the silhouette of the whole head, which has, has a lot of graphic power. Um, and... I guess after I painted the head itself and I was thinking about the background, um, I was exploring different ways I could paint the background, either decoratively in a pattern or just in a plain color. Um, and I decided to just uh, use a, a color that is very close to the shadow color um, and place it in, in the back of the silhouette to kind of um, give that effect of uh, I guess what is it? it's called a lost shadow. I don't actually remember the term. But when when the shadow is lost to the background in some way, um, and I did that kind of here as well. And I was hoping that would get me closer to the Velasquez look. Don't know if I really succeeded, but that was kind of the whole point is to experiment. Um, and the same, I could say the same thing about the drawing as well. It was an experiment in um, soft and hard edges. Um, although I didn't work on the background, so that was kind of the, much, much of the point of this painting. So continuing with the experiment I made um, with this portrait series, the drawing and the painting, um, the, this, the things I learned from this experience, I'm now trying to 
uh, achieve on a large scale with a complete figure. Um, this is a drawing I'm doing in preparation of uh, a double, a, a diptych, I guess, a diptych painting that I'll be presenting in my upcoming show in November. And um, it's on a mere life size scale, and it is the exact same process I've been doing for all my previous works. I start with doodles, and then I make those doodles over and over on slightly larger drawings um, until I, I'm satisfied with something that I later trace and even expand on this full scale. And then I get into uh, adding anatomy, which um, kind of brings me closer to a natural look of like an actual human being. Um, and with that anatomy, I can use it to uh, place form shadows and cast shadows on top, um, which I designed to create some kind of um, beautiful two-dimensional pattern. And uh, that's kind of the stage we're looking at right now. I filled in, filled in those patterns of the uh, shadows with uh, stump charcoal, which is a very um, authentic 19th century technique. Um, and I intend to, I guess, complete this drawing and then paint it just kind of very similar in the way that I painted this. Um, obviously different colors, different um, visual effects, but uh, the, even the content is kind of similar. I'm thinking about uh, coolness and, and accessories and poses. Um, the gaze, not so much so with this figure, but um, perhaps uh, the other one in the same uh, series, the other painting the diptych. I guess I, I came to a certain point in my practice maybe a year ago, a little bit more, of wanting to find some kind of uniquely black American qual visual quality that I could add to my work. Um, and I settled on the yeah, visual quality of coolness, which is very kind of, it evades kind of like pinning down. You can't really uh, describe it very easily, but part of the ways I, I thought I could express it um, was a gaze, a very cool gaze. Um, and this is something that I saw like in hip hop music videos, um, Miles Davis, just like, oh, there's so many different reference, like, references I could find. Um, but so while I started exploring those, I simultaneously noticed that it was something I was doing myself, like in my daily life. Um, for example, like here in London on the tube, sometimes I would just get stared at very intently. And uh, my like kind of gut reaction was like this look back this, this exchanging and, and gaze where I'm like, not only am I upset and, and frustrated and kind of scared, but also I feel like I want to overcome that. And it's kind of like a very mixed feeling, but it's definite and something that I could link to hip hop music videos or whatever it is. Um, and so that I soon noticed was something I could infuse into my work more directly and have a more concrete understanding of what it was. Um, and so that is how it came into my practice. And while I was kind of making these paintings and uh, completing them, I also kind of realized that whoever was gonna buy this was gonna have ownership of this gaze that to me felt very intimate and very uh, powerful and personal. Um, I didn't necessarily feel good with that. Like I didn't want anybody to uh, own this object that's supposed to be representing a very special thing. Um, 
so kind of one of my ways of uh, evading that and, and getting around it was to think of this gaze not only as something to be related to by other people called other black people, but also to, to kind of have some power over somebody who, if they were white, was owning it. If they were looking at this painting on a daily basis, for example, in their home, um, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't feel happy if they, for example, were just um, thinking of it as like a beautiful object that they can claim and that uh, has some kind of uh, amusing factor, just like we were talking about Frozen, like it's entertaining or something uh, that you can kind of reduce because it's an object. Instead, I wanted it to have some kind of uh, subordinating power on them, make them feel like they uh, couldn't hold on to this object and, and have it for themselves. Instead, it was having some kind of domination over them, which is like a very, very kind of new, uh, not, not nuanced, uh, but abstract maybe. It's kind of like a very a theoretical idea. It's not, it's not something that anybody would think about when they're just looking at my portraits, but I guess somehow that makes them look mysterious when people look at these cases and they see like, oh, the eyebrows raised or the person's looking like kind of sideways or their eyelids are like half closed. Maybe they question what is going on with that. And this is kind of the reasoning that I have behind it. Um, whether or not it comes across, it's up to viewers, but that's kind of what propels me to, to make this work.